And now, get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Well, happy Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman. UC Cooperative Extension Lifetime Master Gardener, garden columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Rant blog page at Twitter.com slash FarmerFred, daily garden tips, lots of snark, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page where there is always a garden dialogue going on, and uh, probably on Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube as well with gardening information. On today's program, I have no idea what direction this show is going to go in compared to the show that just ended on KFPK where we ended up talking about rats and mice and possum and and uh, peach leaf curl. But let's call it late winter garden advice, shall we? My guest, Sacramento County's original master gardener, Pam Boone, is with us. And... Uh, Pam, we don't know what direction we're going to go in, but we'll just we'll just roll with it. Well, I know we're probably going to start with some of the stuff that we just ended with at KFBK because someone was listening over there and sent you a really nice picture, sent both of us a really yes. nice picture of her Meyer lemons missing all of their skin. Yes, but the, the fruit with the fruit intact. And with the fruit intact. Yes. So and, now we have come to a consensus. We, you and I were talking yeah. about this. Um, I believe from what everyone said and from who sent us pictures and what we've gone out and seen that with Meyer lemons, it's squirrels. And that when they leave the um, peel behind and there's nothing inside on other things like oranges or whatever, it's rats. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure of that because I think it could be both. I think it really depends how hungry they are. I'm not sure, though, that rats... I don't know. It would be really interesting if anyone has actually seen rats on Meyer lemons chewing away just at the peel and not the fruit itself and leaving the fruit behind. Well, that would be 916-576-1578 to tell us your tales of woe. Remember, it's a new weekend, a new area code in Sacramento with an overlay of the, uh, what is it, 293-297, whatever it is. It means you have to dial... The 916 now for all local numbers if you're calling somebody in the 916. It's no longer, we're no longer a seven-digit society, ladies and gentlemen. It takes ten digits and a one if you have a landline to get through. As Pam found out trying to get into the building today. I know, it was the strangest thing. I, I, <laughs> I, I have this, you've got this little intercom thing. You push the button, you punch in the, the number, and all of a sudden it tells me that I have to dial 1 and 916 to get right. into the building. But then it doesn't let you do it. Then it doesn't let you do it. That's true. <laughs> yes. So luckily I was able to call your cell phone and you let me in. Yeah, well, that always works. Yeah, this isn't a problem for cell phones because most cell phone people have their uh, number with the area code already programmed in. But what happened to Pam may be happening to you as far as now that we have to use the 916 on all calls is if you have other devices or other settings where you only have seven digits programmed in speed dial for example uh, dial up internet which still exists for many people Uh, all those things are alarms for example if you have a seven digit number programmed in you're gonna have to reprogram it for ten digits to include 916 and possibly even the one before the 916 Uh, go figure but anyway, the numbers to call in with your garden questions and comments, 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Terry's here. Hi, Terry. He's running the board today. And uh, 
He'll be busy later on, the Garden Grappler. We're going to give away some stuff. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page as well. It may have something to do with Valentine's Day, which is Wednesday. Uh, so before we go off in whatever scenic bypass we've, we've been on and will return to probably, uh, let's talk a little bit about this weather that we're having, with, which is unseasonably warm and unfortunately unseasonably dry. I know, it's really sad. And you know what's really sad is that uh, we need March then to be extremely wet. Mm-hmm. And my daughter's getting married in March. And part of it's outdoors. And then we're having a little brunch the next day outdoors in a park. Didn't you so, just marry off a daughter? I, I did. I know. Last June. And I have another one getting married in March. Two big weddings in a year. Oh. But you know what? We um, poor, poor people. We're actually we're thrilled to death. We got, uh, you know, my husband has, we have three, well, my husband, both of us have three daughters, and everyone was always, oh, three girls, oh, and now, you know what, he's getting all those wonderful son-in-laws, so it's great. Uh, We're really, really happy, but we just don't want it to rain on the 23rd of March and the 24th of March, so. 23rd is the first day of spring, isn't it? Uh, Yes, and my daughter was, uh, actually, that's her half birthday, so she's always celebrates fall. Um, she's a fall baby by a few hours. So anyhow, and then spring, of course, the wedding. So. Okay. All because right. she was born half birthday. Oh, that means oh, she was, oh, oh, okay. yeah. Got it. All September. Right. September 23rd <laughs> right. to March 20th. But that's like a Tuesday or a Wednesday? Yeah. I, I, I have, uh, no, it's not. It's a Friday. Oh, okay. A Friday. The venue was not um, available on a Saturday. So we're getting her married off on a Friday. And then, but nice thing is everyone's coming from out of town because pretty much all of our relatives and his all live in North Dakota. They think they are coming to sunny California and it's just fabulous. And this is a real vacation for them. Um, So we don't want it to rain, but Um, I know it needs to rain in March. Late March is usually okay. Yeah, usually. Yeah, It might be windy. Yeah, and a little chilly, but yeah, maybe, maybe be okay. not. What part of North Dakota are they? So from? Fargo, Fargo, well, yeah, on the east coast of North <laughs> Dakota. Cold, cold, cold. So when we complain that it's cold and we're freezing, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, Fargo is the Davis of uh, North Dakota. <laughs> Actually, Fargo's a really, I from what I'm hearing, it's a really wonderful town. Great it's a university, town. yeah. There's nice one, college town, yeah. great schools. Yeah, I'm yeah. hearing all kinds of things. The weather, of course, would keep me away, definitely. So, yeah. and uh, good colleges right across the border from Fargo in Minnesota as well. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, anyhow, so speaking of weather, then, um, you know, you were saying earlier, I think that this is really unusual. I've heard people saying that uh, trees are blooming that. Are early. I saw a star magnolia blooming yesterday. What gives with that? <laughs> my my oh star magnolia. Yeah. My uh, saucer magnolia is in bloom right now. Full bloom. Uh, about it's just opening. Some of them are full, but the whole tree isn't in bloom. Yeah. But you know it's definitely blooming. Uh, peach leaf curl control is starting to be a moot point because everything's leaf uh, blossoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things are. I would say not in full bloom quite yet, but some of the blooms are completely open on uh, that. Plum trees, I've noticed, are blooming. Almonds blooming. Of course, all the uh, things around town that uh, uh, beautiful, the pears, the ornamental pears are in full bloom. Talk about why you should not spray for peach leaf curl if those blossoms are fully opened. Well, because you're going to get, first of all, you won't get control of the peach leaf curl. Once they're opened, it's generally ineffective and you may have damage you may knock off the blooms you're not going to get fruit 
that's the best reason yeah. for not using it. Yes. <laughs> so that those would be my reasons for it. Okay. Uh, why take a chance of uh, not getting fruit if you um, then are not going to get control? If people were listening to the KFPK Garden Show, they may be a bit confused because here we are talking about, no, you don't want to spray when the flowers are opened. And yet you went into a very long explanation about delayed dormant spraying. Oh, I did that on the uh, KFPK. But that was for oil. Yeah, that was for oil and that was for insect pests and for a specific reason for smothering them and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're talking about here is copper. Right. That was copper. And also I might say, Fred, I know your show goes everywhere. And so... What we're talking about is basically in the Sacramento Valley right, right now. The Foothill people may have plenty of time to put down um, there. Things may not be blooming at all yet or even that. opened up. It I mean, was, you'll have to see. It was warmer in Auburn this morning at well, 46 that's than true. it was in Sacramento at 34. Isn't that the funniest thing? This whole season, the Foothills have been so much warmer on many days. And I realize some of it's due to our fog and our foggy days and they're clear. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of getting a reversal those foothill um, areas are warmer oftentimes than down here. So It's nice to live in Folsom above the fog line. Oh, are it, you really above the I fog know, line? I know. It's amazing. Yeah, there's no fog. And I go for a bike ride, and all of a sudden, by the time I get down to Sunrise Boulevard, yeah. fog. Oh, wow. Yeah. Makes a big difference. <laughs> it you, does. It does. And doesn't it affect chilling? Though, uh, yeah, it, for it, fruit trees, it does that too because obviously the fog can help keep the temperatures below forty-five right. for a few right. more hours. Because when you look at chill hours, you're looking at a range from thirty-two to forty-five, which uh, brings up another whole topic mm-hmm. too: is the lack of chill hours. That's this what year I was throughout, wondering throughout the area. Right now, chill hours in our area are running between five hundred seventy and six hundred ninety. For a lot of the deciduous fruit tree varieties in our area, we need 700 to 800. And this 577 to 698 compared to last year is about 100 chill hours behind what it was last year. And last year wasn't that good of a year. Yeah. So this year, it's, so far, it's not looking much better. But looking at the temperatures for the coming week, the highs will be in the mid-60s, but the overnight lows and in the early morning in the Sacramento area upper 30s to low 40s. So Which will really help. That'll help, yes. Yeah, definitely. But if a tree has already blossomed and forming fruit, is it too late? Do those chill hours mean anything? I wouldn't think they would. No, no. it's over. Yeah, <laughs> basically. They're, they're blooming. Yeah, basically, the chill hour season is the 1st of November through the 28th of February. And that is the time. And But that's assuming that by the 28th of February, the blossoms haven't fully opened yet. And what we've had with daytime temperatures in the 70s, we're seeing a lot of flowering fruit trees. And that brings up the big advance that they've done. Instead of counting chill hours, they now look at chill units. And chill units basically takes into consideration how warm does it get during the day and actually subtracts the chill hours from that opposite. So these last couple weeks are even worse, a double whammy, because it's been so warm during the daytime. You're subtracting from chill hours then, is what you're saying. Chill portions right now in the valley, or chill units, are running from 53 to 56. Last year at this time, it was 65 to 75. And you want the higher number. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And generally speaking, 65 to 70 is prime fruit forming. Uh, chill units Hmm. and so we're behind that so it really depends on how warm it gets during the day so So we want it to be cooler longer Mm -hmm. uh, during the day and the night and meanwhile 
everybody's going out going, oh, this is great weather. I'm putting my tomatoes and my peppers in. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> no. All right, we'll, we'll take a break. So I want you to forget what Pam just said. No, now, I'm just saying people are saying that, I, not I, me. I know. I, no, you just said it. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, we'll explain what we mean as Get Growing continues on Talk 650 KSTE. Hi, it's Dana. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Oh, we're talking rats and mice and possum and spraying and weird, wacky winter weather. What to do, what not to do. Pam Bone is here, Sacramento County's original master gardener. Got a garden question? Give us a call. 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Email. Send it to fred at farmerfred.com. Diana wrote in from Loma Rica with the defense of possums because I think I, I raised a challenge over on the KFBK Garden Show this morning. There are no socially redeeming values to possum. And Diana writes in and says, They eat, among other things, mice, rats, carrion, snails, slugs, snakes, ticks, uh, and almost anything else they can find. Well, then there no. are some there are some redeeming values then for possums and i don't think anyone's found a redeeming value for a mosquito but oh there's one yeah Yeah. see if anyone wants to come up with that one well that brings up another topic we could get off on and that's the fact that with this warmer weather the mosquitoes are getting active right now and you know what i did my husband's been doing a lot actually out in the yard i've been preparing for bridal showers and doing other things and giving i've been giving a lot of talks to master gardeners and teaching classes and things on the things that my husband's actually doing out in the landscape like putting down mulch and composting and all but i managed to get myself out into the landscape uh the last couple days and do a few little things and one of them was knocking all the pots over and the saucers and uh everything that has water you just don't even realize what's collecting water and then all of a sudden you go oh there's mosquitoes everywhere yeah 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 so So, yeah go around the house look outside there's a lot of pots and saucers that have still retaining some rainwater, especially if they're in shady locations. Or buckets. if yeah. uh, You know, five-gallon buckets, one gallon. We yeah. save those to pot up things, and all of a sudden I go, wow, I didn't even realize this had water in it. Or maybe you got a wheelbarrow off on its side yeah. in the back of the yard, and water's collecting in the wheel well. Yeah. Oh, I never even thought of the wheel well of wheelbarrow. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of possibilities. Yeah, and it doesn't take much water. I had heard, I don't know if it's true or not, a tablespoon of water really? I don't can, know. is enough for mosquitoes to procreate it. Well, I would believe it. They're pretty creative. So, uh, Fred, then you've been proven that possums do have redeeming value. I haven't been proven. I've just been told. You've been told. That's true. We <laughs> yes. need proof of that. No. <laughs> On this show, that's one thing yes. that we're always saying. We can't go by the little garden myths and all the other home remedies and things. We have to have proof. Scientific proof, right? All right. Now I want you to redeem yourself. Okay. About planting tomatoes and peppers now. I do not recommend planting tomatoes and peppers, just as you do not recommend Mm -hmm. planting tomatoes and peppers. When I got up this morning, my indoor-outdoor thermometer said it was 39 degrees in Citrus Heights. I think you said it was... Now, 40 where you it was were? 40 where I was, but the soil temperature in my raised beds were, was still too cold for tomatoes or peppers at 52 degrees. Right. So the above ground temperature is too cold. 
The soil's too cold, and you had it in raised beds, which heat yeah. up faster. Right. And what is the minimum temperature that you recommend? For- 65. 65. For a right. soil temperature. Right, that's what I mean, for soil temperature. Don Chor of Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis recommends when nights are consistently above 50 degrees. And generally speaking, that's the end of April, the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. So I'll still stick with that for planting time, despite climate change or whatever. I'd rather be safe than sorry. And the other reason I, I kind of dissuade people from planting in the outdoors, I mean, you can certainly start things from seed now mm-hmm. indoors, but as far as going out, and finding, if you can find, a tomato plant or a pepper plant to put in the ground right now. Not only is the ground too cold and the night's too cold, but this is the time of the year where we start getting some wacky storms that include hail. And hail can kill those little plants in seconds. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that. The other thing is is that, um, talk about the soil. We haven't had rain, mm-hmm. and I saw somebody watering their lawn the other day and it was running down the gutter um i don't know about everyone else my container plants on the patio are completely dry they need to be watered some of them are actually wilting um so i've started collecting my bucket water in the shower again and and sink water um so so i could use that but the rest of the soil We've done a lot of digging in the landscape and actually removed a, a tree that had just kind of sat there, a Japanese maple, for the last five years and had done nothing, and I wanted to inspect the root system. The soil is still really moist. Mm-hmm. We had a wet January, a lot of rain. And that um, with these cool temperatures at night, even though they've been warm during the day with all that rain, the soil hasn't dried out in most cases unless it's in Maybe the raised beds or in a uh, a pot, a container. The uh, I was talking about this on the KFPK Garden Show, how it, important it is is to check that soil moisture before you water and either use a moisture meter or dig down eight inches and grab a handful of that soil and see how wet or dry it is. Now, do you have access to a, a computer app called Drop Counter? I've never used it. No, right. what is that? It, drop counter. It's spelled D-R-O-P-C-O-U-N-T-R. And uh, the Folsom Water District highly recommends it. But it gives you a readout of your water use. And it, it's it's amazing uh, what you can learn. For instance, uh, here, I'm going to pass my iPad over to you, Pam, and you can see uh, how much water I've used in the house and in the yard for the past month. Oh, now, but this is through your water district. Yeah, this is through the oh, water district. Actually, um, I am in Saks, uh, uh, yeah, Saks Suburban Water District, and uh, they have a thing where I can look, and every single day I know exactly how much water I used every day. Right, and this is the same and thing. And the same thing. And it's really interesting because some days you'll go, wow, what was I doing? All the laundry yeah. for everybody else in the neighborhood or what? Right. Or, uh, and, of course, the dramatic thing is that you look at how much water you're using now versus July, and you mm. realize for us, th- those of us who are gardeners, it's all going out into the landscape. It's it's really tremendous how much water is in the landscape. And when you have fruit trees and vegetables and berries and yeah. everything else, and I noticed the we had saved a lot of water the year before in um, July and August, and then this year it went way up. But the reason is is because we had 
drought measures in place with our berries. And we, and any of you know me on this show, I often come on and talk about my raspberries. Thank you for the raspberry jam, by the way. Oh, yes, I just gave you some. The crop was not very good, though, because we had a horrible infestation. I've never had it of spider mite on the raspberries. Mm -hmm. It was tragic. It was so bad. Well, part of it was water stress. In fact, it was the main part, the reason for it. So all of a sudden, my water in August went way up because I went, wow, we've got to do something. We've got to put in an additional irrigation line in here. We've got to water a little longer. And I use drip. Um, So I love it, though, because you can monitor every day and you can see exactly what you're using and what's going on. And compare it to your neighbor's use, too, because there are variables where you can uh, expand it out to include your whole neighborhood. And it compares your water usage to similar households. So you can ah. see how well you're doing against your neighbors if you want some competition that way. Interesting. But one thing, the reason I signed up for it immediately is because it lets you know as soon as possible via text alert if you have a drip, if you have an ongoing oh. leak. Yeah. And now, you have to be in the Folsom Water District for, for this, this particular one. one. For this yeah. particular one. But, but check with your yeah. water check. district because, like I said, uh, Sacramento Suburban actually has a little map that you can look at, uh, or a little graph, I should say, that tells you each day, but I don't think it's quite as sophisticated as this because it doesn't compare it to your neighbors, which is sort of annoying sometimes because we get those notices from SMUD all the time, which I, I keep getting them on purpose. I mm-hmm. want them. Um, but they'll tell you, you used X number of percentage more than your efficient neighbors. Yeah. And we're always, <laughs> we're always more. And I keep saying, are they comparing me to somebody that also has a swimming pool that runs and, uh, two kids at home that use computers all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and Drop Counter, when you set up the program, you go piece by piece as far as what you have in your house or outside. It it does include spa, swimming pool, sprinklers, or drip. Ah. So you, you are they are theoretically comparing you to similar households. Oh, that's good. Theoretically. Yeah. All right, we need to take a break. When we come back, we'll go somewhere. I'm not sure where, but we'll end up talking about something. Join the conversation, 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Maybe we can get some pruning tips from you, Pam. I've seen you walking around with a pole saw lately. Oh, pole um, saw, pruners, yeah, yeah, loppers. we'll, We'll do that when we come back to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. I'm Matt Curtis. Listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. With Pam Bone answering your gardening questions, whatever they may be, 916 576 1578, 866 331 8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. Don't forget, Garden Grappler coming up at 11 o'clock. Clue available at farmerfred.com. Also at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. And uh, Pam, let's uh, delve into the email that uh, people are sending to fred at farmerfred.com. I have a lot of questions here with your name next to them. Uh-oh. So, I hope it's only good. Oh, my. Don't give me anyone that said... One of them had Pam Bone was wrong in all caps, and yet well, she yeah. quote... But she quoted me... Um, she quoted just the opposite of what I said, so I actually was right. <laughs> all right. So. Anyway, uh, here's a question from Mariana, who writes in, I don't know where Mariana lives, but oh, says... Okay. What can I use or plant in my rose bed to keep the cats from using the mulch as their litter box? I can add plants or ground cover to the area along with mulch. Chicken wire works, but it gets in the way if you have to do any weeding. 
Thanks for any suggestions. You know what I put in mine? Um, I have thyme, and it's a good herb, mm. and it makes a solid mat. You can clip it and use it, and uh, thyme, creeping thyme or regular garden thyme, whatever, works really well because they need full sun, just like the roses need full sun, and you get pretty the roses aren't that dense, and so you'll get some uh, underneath there. Oregano is really good um, as well because that stuff grows like mad and makes a giant mat everywhere. So if you want to combine it with something edible, um, those are nice. I like the idea of ground cover under roses. Um, there are other things. Snow in summer is a wonderful ground cover under roses, um, cerastium. That works really well if you just want a pretty grayish uh, leafed uh, ground cover that has little white flowers on it and that works well so and they form a thick mat and a cat's not going to use it then they like to dig in fact which we noticed because we have three cats and as soon as my husband put down all of our compost he uh, composted all the berries uh, the cats were in there oh, yeah. digging away it's like a sandbox yeah they were fertilizing the plants and you just have to be careful where you dig luckily they cover it all up you know you don't see it all so. Right. so a what are some examples of some ground covers or herbs that would form that mat? So it must have runners well, of some sort. Yeah, well, the or runners or else they just, um, yeah, they spread. Oregano, like I said, and thyme, those are great. And, okay. um, and snow and summer. And the snow and summer I love. I, I have that one under my roses. Um, and, uh, oh, um, Nepeta. Uh, cat, cat mint. Cat mint. Yeah, mm-hmm. not catnip, but cat mint is also really wonderful. Does really well and does well under roses because I have it under roses as well. What about alyssum? Uh, no, okay. I wouldn't recommend alyssum because um, it just gets it it fades out and it doesn't get as thick and it doesn't last as long and and I I tend to well okay the reason I don't recommend it is I um, my roses are on my water thrifty plan mm-hmm. and so they don't get watered as much as alyssum might like to have water ah, okay. so that I'm trying to think of things that are a little bit more. Um, Drought-resistant type like things. thyme and oregano. Yeah, and that go well with uh, roses as well. Okay. Is snow in summer an yep. unthirsty plant? Okay. Yep, non-thirsty plant as right. well. All of those okay. things that I mentioned work really well. Your answers were better than mine. No, okay. why? What'd you come up with? Uh, rose prunings. Rose prune. Oh, that looks that looks unkempt. I know. And besides that, you might actually poke yourself, yeah, which I've done the other day when yeah. I was digging around the ground cover. And yeah. What about large rocks? I don't like that either. I know. That's not natural. I want plants under there. Um, and the thing is, is that they love the compost. They usually don't like big hunks of bark wood chips, though. That, but sometimes they do. And we do put wood chips down in some areas. But mm-hmm. uh, And it's usually, if you've got a soft area somewhere else, they're going to go to that instead. So uh, lots of different ground covers. That's what I would go with. Okay. All right. That's some good examples there. And there's yeah. a lot of nice oregano's out there. Oh, there are. And yeah. you can get the ornamental ones too mm-hmm. yeah. that drape. Um, we've got a raised bed area for some of our roses and we've got an ornamental oregano in that one. And it just hangs over the side with these really long things, panicles they're called. Right. Yes. And very attractive. Is that Betty Rollins? That's one of them. Yeah. There's others. I'm trying to remember which one I have. I can't even think of it. Um, I'd have to look it up real quick and I would maybe have I'll to, come uh, up with it. So right. and, I'll and, tell you and what And they it are is. slow spreaders, too. Yeah, All right. yeah, they are. All right, Carol okay. writes in and says, I know you don't advise planting avocados from seed and expect to get much out of them here in the Sacramento area, but I had to try. 
I, I had a really successful grapefruit tree grown from seed, and a friend got lots of fruit from her avocado tree grown from seed. Doesn't say where the friend lived. My tree grew to about 10 feet tall, growing next to the north wall of my house in a half barrel. One weekend in October, I came home and found the leaves wilted on the avocado, and they never came back. They are brown now, no matter how much I watered the tree. Oh, gosh. Should I cut, cut it back? Or should I give it a funeral and try another seed or young plant? Yes. Give, give it, it a, a funeral, funeral and don't try another seed, but go purchase an avocado that you know will grow in our area. You know it will fruit in our area, given the parameters of our temperatures and everything. Well, people are going to try because, you know, they, they see it on the Internet, on Pinterest or whatever, of people sticking toothpicks in an avocado Oh, and you can pit. grow the tree, but whether you're ever going to get fruit and the yeah. tree, when it's young, may be frosted out and not grow. No, many times avocados will grow beautifully as a little tree, and as long as it's not too cold while they're young and you can get it up to a certain size, and then people will tell us, it's been in for 10, 12, 15 years and never had a fruit on it. Um, Time to cut your losses. Right. And the th- reason is, is a lot of times is it's too, might be just make it for the tree, mm-hmm. but not enough for the uh, fruit to form. Yeah, I like the idea of using a variety that stands half a chance here. Among those varieties are the bacon, Zutano, Mexicola, uh, the Jim. Uh, I know people are trying the holiday version now, but the holiday avocado is supposedly a shorter-growing avocado but has some frost tendencies. It doesn't quite take our low temperatures. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it That's, to try, I think, in a protected area. Yeah. You know what? You really, I have to admit, you have, you've changed. <laughs> Thank because you. Because you used to absolutely banish anyone that mentioned growing avocados, growing avocados in our area. Yeah. I think it's because too many people said, Fred, here's a picture of my avocado and, tree. Or they will. I have them. I've had them years ago. I I actually changed years ago when a fellow walked in with his Mexicola type yeah. avocados. Now whether I'd want to eat those, they were small mm-hmm. and really the the, the flavor is different. Was, it's kind of a it's, nutty flavor. It's a different flavor, yeah. definitely, and it's really small. But he grew avocados and they fruited here and. Yes, we should reemphasize that what you're buying in a grocery store is usually a Haas avocado, and the Haas, which grows down in Southern California, does fine there. It's too frost-sensitive here, and that's what people have come to assume an avocado is. And there are so many different varieties of avocado that uh, you'd be surprised. There's the Guatemalan and the Mexican avocados, and I believe it's the Mexican avocados that do better up in our area. That's right. The uh, Like I say, the... Uh, Zutano, Mexico. Mexicola. And you planted a Mexicola, Jim. didn't you? Uh, yeah, Zutano and a Mexicola. Yeah, so and we'll so, see. Yeah, because I've found that little protected area I think will work, and I'm going to keep them small. I'm not going to let them get more than eight feet tall in order to be able to absorb the reflected heat from that south-facing wall that it's next to uh, and keep it warmer during the winter. Because and this is in the ground? It's in the ground. Not in a container? Not huh? in a container. It's in the ground. And... The problems I've seen with people with avocados is generally they let them grow. And once they get taller than the fence or the building that's protecting them, that's where the die-off is. As soon as it's in in an exposed location. But if it's in a protected location and you keep it small, and you can keep it small and still bear fruit, uh, you're going to have a better chance of success with an avocado. So that's my experiment. Well, we'll for the see next seven years or so. Definitely. It's always fun to try. Yeah, right? exactly. But it is frustrating when people do grow 
fruit trees and other things from seedlings, and it's fun for them to do it, but it's so frustrating when it gets up to a certain age and it still hasn't borne a fruit on it, and people then could have been so far ahead, and they would have, could have had a complete crop yeah. if they'd planted something with a known variety on a known root stock or however it is that does well in our area. I remember my dad did that. One year when I was growing up in North Hollywood, he took a pit, stuck it in a glass of water yeah. with yes. suspended by toothpicks. It, it rooted. He planted it outside. It grew to about 40 feet tall, very thin, and grew 40 feet tall. A windstorm came along and blew it down onto the phone lines. Oh, my gosh. It didn't have much of a root system <laughs> then, no, did it? No, <laughs> it didn't. No, it didn't. We'll take a short break. More of Get Growing on the Way on Talk 650 KSTE. It's the President's Day. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Garden Grappler, just 10 minutes away. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. And uh, clue available at FarmerFred.com or the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Pam Bone will judge your answers for quality, not necessarily quantity, because you only need one answer. And we'll do that in a few minutes or so. Back to the phones we go. Chris in Sacramento, welcome to the program. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, how you doing? Oh, there you are. Oh, you woke up. (laughs) We're doing fine. My question is, can you grow edible bananas in Sacramento Valley? Yes and no. How's that for an answer? <laughs> it depends where you live, and it depends what kind of bananas you want. You're not yeah. going to get a Chiquita banana. I have seen um, bananas growing. There's a little um, East Sacramento edible plant tour that they have every year, and one of the landscapes there did have banana plants and did have bananas on them. It was the, everyone went straight to that plant. That's all they cared about in this tour. And uh, there were the bananas, but they're the stubby, short, tiny little bananas. They're not the big, long bananas that we think of. But, yes, some people can if they're in a very protected area. And I think, right. Fred, you were saying you knew somebody that grew a banana plant. Yeah, it was in Lodi, yeah. and but it was a very protected environment. It was a fairly small backyard. It had a south-facing house on the back side and there was a fence with tall shrubbery on the other side so this banana plant was protected from not just cold temperatures but also uh, the delta winds as well and so it was able to thrive did he have a swimming pool no he didn't have a swimming pool okay i got mine in low dive from a guy who had a swimming pool uh the the mansana and uh, no, no, they will not get big. You can't get big bananas unless you go way down south. Right, yes. <laughs> like Central America south, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyhow. But, yes, um, th- that was the, the hit of the tour, and there were bananas on there. Um, and they, the owner said, yes, they've had bananas frequently. I think the key with growing bananas in our area is they will get bit back by the frost. And they will die back, but they then the following spring Mm -hmm. will rejuvenate from the base. And so you just have to what the key is to live with the death, live with that dead banana plant through the winter, because those dead leaves protect the understory and don't trim off those dead leaves during the frost season. Good to know that that our average frost season ends on Wednesday. Oh, it does. Oh, that's great to know. Hey, uh, also, also on the avocado trees, I have one grown from seed. It's uh, on uh, it's 11 feet tall, 
and it produces nice avocados. Uh, it takes about six years before you can get them. And, and the reason people do not get avocados is because you have to pretend you're the bee mm-hmm. or get bees. Because you go borrow somebody's pollen from uh, their tree, bring it home in a nice clean rag, and then put it on the end of a pole and then just rub your flowers every day for two, three days, and you will get avocados. There, the, the avocado plant's kind of interesting. It has what are called A flowers and B flowers. And these are flowers that open up at different times of the day. And basically the A and the B uh, do the pollinating across from each other. And that's why in this area sometimes we recommend planting two different varieties in order to get that pollination, sort of pollination insurance, by planting, say, a bacon and a zutano, one as an A flower and one as a B flower. But I was told by an avocado tree salesman that avocado trees are so stressed in our area, they will produce both flowers and do the job because they're so confused and so stressed <laughs> that they want to survive, so they're going to produce whatever they can in order to bear fruit. Oh, interesting. So that that's a possibility. That's a good uh, – well, Chris, I was going to mention that, and you sort of answered your own question. If you can grow avocados here, you can probably grow bananas. I, I do. I do both. Well, then keep at it. Good job. Yep, you you have that perfect microclimate, so congratulations. Definitely. All right. All right. Chris, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. All right. Let's talk with Tina here in Sacramento. Hi, Tina. Hi. I have a question about my crepe myrtles. They, like, drop some kind of sticky stuff, like in the spring, Mm -hmm. maybe in the summer. Is there something I can do about that? Does that mean they're just not healthy or? No, that means you have aphids. And aphids um, produce honeydew because they suck out the juice out of the plants basically and they always take in excess and it comes out and it's a sticky material then sometimes a black sooty mold will grow on it and the sidewalks this last year in some areas were absolutely black uh from the uh aphid excrement basically and the honeydew and people learn not to park their cars beneath them right so that's the problem with it um and the only thing you can do is control of the aphids uh, later in the season then. It's a little early right now to do anything because the aphids aren't out. But if it has gotten to the point where it's just really severe. But remember, a blast of water, fortunately, <laughs> a crepe myrtle isn't that big of a tree. It mm-hmm. usually tops out at 20 to 30 feet. And just a good jet spray from a garden hose washing off, especially the underside of the leaves, maybe do that twice a week. That can help control the aphid population. And and sometimes you might have to resort to insecticidal soap, adding Mm -hmm. a little um, soap to it. And they've actually got uh, registered products specifically for aphids that you can use. And you step it up a little bit and you might have to do that, but it'll take care of it. Okay, and, and so I look for that at the nursery? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. insecticidal or, soap, or or try the water first, like yeah. you said. And you know what? Um, blasting the water, too, will help with another a disease called powdery mildew that we often get. Sometimes you see kind of a grayish, moldy-looking, whitish mold on the leaves, and that can yeah. be from powdery mildew. Well, um, it's not like mildew in your shower. Actually, a blast of water will forcefully break the spores and can kill off the mildew. So that's another Good treatment, and so if you're blasting for aphids, you'll get some powdery mildew control as well. And probably okay. mid, mid-morning mid would be the best time to mm-hmm. be spraying that water. 
Yeah, I think I have the mold, the mildew stuff too. Yeah, okay. usually um, crepe myrtles do really well in full full sun, and if they get a little bit of shade or an area where the air, air circulation is not real good, then the powdery mildew becomes much worse. Theoretically, there are powdery mildew resistant varieties of crepe myrtle, mm-hmm. and is it still true that most of them have Indian names? Yes, they do. Okay, I have my neighbor has Cherokee, and we have Catawba. Ours mm-hmm. is purple, his is pink. And they do not get powdery mildew because they're one of the resistant varieties. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, water is your friend, Tina. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Have you, in your years, Pam, come up with a solution for cleaning a windshield covered in honeydew of aphid excrement? Because that's sticky stuff. It is. And you certainly don't want to turn your windshield wipers on. No. (laughs) That just spreads the problem. It does. The thing is, is you usually have to notice it before you go out and then... Um, use some sort of window cleaner or something to clean it off. And Will window cleaner take it off? Oh, yeah, very okay. easily. All right. Yeah. What about on a paint job on a car uh, or a table? That can be a problem. If you've already if it's been sitting on there for a while yeah. and you, you yeah, that's yeah. a problem. I think on some plastic tables, you could probably use a, maybe a TSP solution or something yeah. like that. Usually just straight um, uh, detergent, I mean, uh, soap, mm-hmm. uh, laundry not laundry, laundry dish soap. Uh, dish soap. Like Dawn, yeah. yeah, just w- make up a solution with that. A lot of the uh, window products have a little bit of ammonia in it. Ammonia works well, cuts it really well, too, mm-hmm. so that's not a problem. All right, we're going to take a break for news. When we come back, it'll be Garden Grappler time. I see Mike is in the control room. He's going to help out with the Garden Grappler. All right, so we've got some good prizes and a clue available at FarmerFred.com. So uh, you'll be prepared. We didn't give any audible clues on the show today. So you're on your own, folks. And we'll do the Garden Grappler when we come back. Don't forget the show is available as a podcast. You can stream it from the iHeartRadio app or download it from your favorite podcast aggregator, such as iTunes. And it'll be posted by early this afternoon for your enjoyment. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE and KSTE.com every Sunday, 10 to noon. Hi, it's Dana Hesse. Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. If you're up on love, if you're up on heart, because Valentine's Day is Wednesday, and what I would like you to do is name a plant with the word heart or love in its name. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Name a plant with the word heart or love in its name. All five callers get a prize, special bonus prize for caller five as well. Pam Bone, Sacramento County's original master gardener, is here to judge the quality of your answers. There's all, you can Google it for heaven's sake. Come on now. Name a plant with the word heart or love in its name. Terry, you ready in there for this excitement? He's ready. All right. And Mike's hiding in there too. All right. Five... And- Oh, I was going to say, and Fred, did you notice that in honor of your Garden Grappler question today, I wore red, I have a heart necklace on, heart earrings, I'm ready for it. Oh, you are? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So come on, you guys. You've got the answers there. 
Just call them in. Guys are so blind. Anyhow, <laughs> did I interrupt you before you gave the phone number? No, that's okay. Sorry. Uh, by the way, you have to use the area code now. 916-576-1578-866-331-8255. All right, I'll give you the numbers again. 916-576-1578-866-331-8255. Name a plant with the word heart or love in its name. Good luck. By the way, all five callers uh, also get two tickets to the original Sacramento Home and Garden Show at Cal Expo, March 2nd through the 4th. So I'll be throwing that into your envelope of winning. All right. Okay. You want to talk pruning. I did want to talk pruning, but Linda from San Rafael has oh. been on hold here. And Well, then let's as, talk to her instead. As, as long as she doesn't say anything with the word heart or love in it, we'll be okay. Unless she's wanting to use the, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. yeah. do the contest. Yeah, she could if she wanted to. Hi, Linda. Hi, how are you? I missed the first hour, but I heard a few moments of rats and mice and everything. Mm-hmm. I have a unique situation. I have a big pot that has a half barrel that has a Meyer lemon. No, it's a Eureka lemon in it. And for four, let's say for the last two weeks, four nights, I go out and again, the peel is gone and the entire fruit is intact. And that was with a Eureka lemon. Yes, Eureka. Oh, wow. And right next to it is a Meyer. Aha. Uh-huh. And that they haven't touched it. <laughs> oh, that is really strange because it seems like everybody's calling in about Meyer. Hmm. Exactly. So now, maybe we could use it. it is about three feet away is another big pot. It's two feet wide and it's about 20 inches high. And I had netting over it because I have lettuce and radishes growing in it. Mm-hmm. And every time the lemons have been attacked, the this critter or whatever it is, is going under the, I have the black moat, uh, black, uh, uh, you know, plastic. Uh, like bird uh, netting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Netting. Yeah. Netting to cover it. But it gets under the netting, gets into the pot and it barrows down into this nice newer soil. It's lovely new soil because I redid the whole pot. Mm-hmm. And I went two days, it happened two days ago that it was a complete we dug way down to the bottom of the pot, and then I went out again, and I put all the soil back yesterday. I, I just went out again this morning after hearing you guys, and it's happened again. So somebody is <laughs> digging through the soil into yeah. the pot. Are they eating the roots of the plants in the pot? I don't think so, because the plants are still green. Just, I mean, they you just know, want that fruit. They want the peel. That's all they want, right? Yeah, but the fact that they're digging into the soil makes me think they're looking for something well i think they're digging just to try to get to kind of weasel their way underneath that bird netting and so they can come up into the fruit isn't that yeah isn't that what they're trying to do don't you think but but this pot only has lettuce and radishes in it i'm out here right now looking at it again um it it one plant is droopy but i have a feeling it was because yeah i'm pulling it up right now well, they um, haven't eaten anything. No. In, the only thing no, then it's got roots on it. Then All it right. makes me. Okay. Nice if right. it was a little later in the season, yeah. I'd say it's squirrels trying to bury acorns and other things because right. they they'll dig in anything. Or if it uh-huh. was skunks, they would be looking for grubs. Grubs, yeah. yeah. If it was a skunk, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They would, and they're out right now. Oh my goodness, are the skunks out? Yes, this well, is their breeding season. Yes, it is. Oh, yes. Every night, 
sniff sniff. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's possible. Do you think you might have a? Uh, well, it's up a little high for a skunk to get to, though. And the roots aren't yeah. getting eaten, so it's probably not gophers. Well, you know what? You're going to have to go out on flashlight patrol. You're going to have to uh, go out there well, okay. at midnight. Or well, 10 no, o'clock. you know, you, you can avoid that by taking some kitchen flour and well, sprinkling it in a thin layer around the plants at about a one foot mm-hmm. diameter around the plants. Do that in the late afternoon, early evening, and then go out there in the morning and look for footprints and then match up the footprints with the critter. Uh huh. Well, as I cleaned everything up yesterday and went out this morning, uh, two more of the lemons were eaten and more action in this other pot. Now, oh. what, when you say the wow. lemons are being eaten, are they eating just the skin or the fruit as well? Yeah. No, it's the rind. Just the rind. Oh, well, yeah. then I want you to find out what it is and call back in again then. So you need to go out with the flower method or the flashlight method and figure out which yeah. out there. Well, what? I was out here last night at uh, about 11 o'clock, and I saw no action. Yeah, so it's going to be go. Oh, I'm just looking down in this other pot, the, the lemon pot, and again, oh, this is different. <laughs> I just picked up a, a rind thing, and this time the fruit is gone. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, mm-hmm. now that could be a roof rat. That could be rats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, my God. Okay. Yep, that's what. And then on the other side of the pot is the, it looks like rind, uh, but that had been shaved <laughs> into small pieces. And next to it is the entire inside of the fruit is intact. Oh, isn't that interesting? So they just wanted the zest because they were making a recipe that recalled. Yeah, right. Needed some some zest. zest. Yeah. All right. Well, I think maybe you have rats, but it's possible you have rats and squirrels. And anyhow, it's it's quite Uh, interesting. Yeah, rats and squirrels would be the prime suspects here. Do you have any particular suggestions to well, try and what you've this? already done? You you got it already covered all up and everything. Is there any yeah. way of and if they can get through that? Uh, putting I know. The, it's I'm very yeah. Frustrated. What are you going to do? I know. So are a lot of other people, <laughs> and we haven't come up with any really good um, deterrence or controls. Yeah, I mean oh, rat okay. rat traps. And rat traps unfortunately can capture other creatures mm-hmm. that you don't want and what especially about a, pets. What about a have a heart trap? It's basically a cage that they get trapped in uh, once they oh. walk into there and they, you know, step on that little lever and the door closes behind them. Now, it, uh-huh. it's safe. It's not going to hurt them and then if you accidentally get the neighbor's cat. But or, then what are you going to do with them because it's illegal to take wildlife off your property and to, and well, if it's Give a neighbor's it to somebody cat, else. you just open it and oh, the, the cat cats, leaves. Oh, the cats, yes, but what are you trying to oh. capture? If you capture the rat or the squirrel, you aren't allowed to relocate it anywhere. Aha, Is that friend. true with that, rats? Well, rats, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, get, to, I don't see that you with might have rats. To, but who'd want to re- you'd have to kill it. You're just giving it to somebody else. Ah. Well, anyhow, you can see the problem. Well, that way you can identify it. <laughs> yeah, you can identify yeah. it. That's true. You could do that. That's so. the whole idea. Here. Anyhow, well, you have one or the other or both. Okay. okay. Well, thank you so much. All Thanks right, so Linda, much for calling you. in. All right. It's, it's, thank uh, you. So we now know that this problem is Northern California wide. It is, and it's universal on not just obviously Meyer lemons, but Eureka lemons yeah. and other things. And we've seen it on oranges in the past. And wow, this is quite the year. It's yeah. amazing, and it's, that control is practically non-existent. As far as we know, like. until we positively identify the pest involved. Yeah, unless you, yeah, and you could get rid of the rat if you've got some way of getting rid of rats without trapping something else or mm. harming something else with the rat trap. I'm 
beginning to be a fan more and more of keeping your citrus at a very modest size. And it's pretty easy to do that with Meyer lemons by keeping them, say, maybe no more than four feet tall by four feet wide. But now what would that do to help prevent the rats? I would devise a cage to put over there made out of quarter-inch mesh hardware cloth on a two-by-four frame, like a big house that you would just slip over the plant to keep the pests out. And then maybe you could have a door on it to open it up to get the fruit. Oh, my heavens above. Who in the world's going to do something like that? Some of our listeners would. Well, that's true. Maybe a few. But the (laughs) same type of hardware cloth that would use to keep gophers from getting in under your raised beds that you'd put at the bottom of a new raised bed, well, maybe this would work for keeping pests out of the tree eating your citrus. Well... That just sounds like overkill to me, but anyhow. If and plus, it doesn't look natural, and who, oh, I don't know. And maybe this is just a bad year, and next year they'll just be fine, and now you've got this ugly structure all around your tree. Oh, well, you can make them pretty. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> like that. Like little citrus nah, prison. I'm going to veto that suggestion. Citrus prison cells. I, I, yeah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, a prison cell for the citrus, and it yeah. makes everything else look like a prison. Well, yeah. I'm just trying to help Anyhow, here. no, yeah. All right. Okay. All right, we'll take a short break. When we come back, we will get to your answers. We have five people lined up who say they can name a plant with the word heart or love in its name. Coming up as we continue with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Guys. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, we have five people lined up. Five people who say they can name a plant with the word heart or love in its name. In, in honor of Valentine's Day Wednesday. Pam Bone, Master Gardener, is here to judge the quality of your answers. First up, it's Beth in Lincoln. Hi, Beth. Hi there. Hi. Go ahead and give us a plant with the word uh, heart or love in its name. Um, oh, I have a few, but I'm going to go with my favorite, which would be bleeding hearts, oh. um, specifically the burning hearts. Okay. You planted yeah. it all. Have you ever put in a bleeding heart? Um, you know what? I got one as a gift, and I put it in, and my chickens destroyed it. <laughs> oh, no. So I need, I need to get another one and not put it in their area. Yeah. What yeah, is, that's, a, that's a good one. What, is that dicentris yeah. metabolis? Dic- yeah, dicentra. Yeah, uh-huh, the... Uh, old-fashioned bleeding heart. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Good answer there, Beth. I'm going to be sending you uh, from the UCIPM folks their information on controlling weeds in the landscape and from the Farmer Fred Collection of Fine Paperwork, Choosing and Planting Bare Root Fruit and Nut Trees. So that's coming your way. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Beth. All right. Appreciate it. All right. So we can cross bleeding heart off our list and call it number two. It's Amy here in Sacramento. Hi, Amy. Hi. Hi. So go ahead. Give us a plant with the word heart or love in its name. Love in a mist. Lo- ah, love in a mist. Yes, love that's in a, a mist. That's a good one. Um, nigella. Nigella. And what is it? Mm-hmm. Is it a perennial annual? It's an annual flower, okay. and it um, is usually used for its seed pods that they mm-hmm. put into flower arrangements. So, like for weddings. <laughs> well, I suppose you could. Okay. At any house. So. What are you going to use for blooms at a March wedding? Oh, blooms at a March wedding? Well, yeah. there'll be things. Out, huh. Maybe not from our garden, okay. and obviously, but all right. okay. somewhere else. Camellias. All right. <laughs> Amy, good answer. I'll be sending you all that stuff I told Beth I'd send her. 
Thank you. All Thanks. right. That's Thanks. A good one. Appreciate it. All right. Caller number three is Bill in Paradise. Hi, Bill. Hey, Fred. Uh, I'm going to go with Heartleaf Virginia. Oh, Ooh. that's one that I like. Yeah, Virginia is a good one, and that, and we grow um, Virginias around this area. And yeah, they, their other name is Snail Hotel. Oh, you, I, I never have a real problem with those at all with snails, and you always seem to. However, it does spread easily, and it likes the shade, yes, and it and it blooms this time of year. Yeah. So it has a lot going for it. Good for a, a plant. Have uh, you planted that one at all? Yes, oh. and I was unsuccessful because deer like it also. Oh, well. Until I fenced yep. that area off, and now I get to see the blooms. Oh, and, nice. And they're nice. in bloom now? Yes. Okay. Well, they're getting really close. Okay. Yep, that's a, that was a great choice. And I like it when you can grow it here successfully, which now I'm glad you have. And what's nice is, too, I mean, it doesn't take much effort to dig one out and replant it someplace else. Not at all. In fact, that's how I got mine. I dug them out of somebody else's yard. Yeah, so yeah. it works well, like a charm. Well, they gave them to me from their yard. Thank you for <laughs> clarification, way, yeah. Pam. All right. right. Hey, good answer, Bill. I'll be sending you that information on controlling weeds from UCIPM and also how to choose and plant bare root fruit and nut trees. Very good. Thank you. All right, Bill. Thank you. All right. Caller four in today's five-caller garden grappler. It's Kathy in Live Oak. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Fred. So go ahead. Give us a heart or a love, if you will, please. How about love lies bleeding? Love lies bleeding. And that's an amaranth. Yes. And that's a good one. And um, I don't know if people realize they have this really long red tassel flower and it kind of hangs down. And so they think that that um, it's bleeding into the ground. And so, yeah, that's a good one. It's a weed. It's a weed. Well, yeah, a lot of times it is. So anyhow. It gets tall, too. Yeah. It's like, what, four feet, five feet tall? Yeah, it's really yeah, tall. yeah. It uh, that's probably yeah. about right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think in, in the it's a it's a back forty blooming plant. Yeah, and it's also an old fashioned one that mm-hmm. people have had around for a long, long time. You don't see people planting it that much. Do you plant it? Yeah. No, but I've bought it in uh, flower arrangements at the farmers market. Oh, really yeah, like that's it. actually a really good use for it. Yes, is flower arrangements. Okay, yeah. Right. And it's also on an Elton John album. The uh, oh. Love Lies Bleeding. Good answer, Kathy. Thanks for playing. You're welcome. Thank Thanks. you. All right. Bye-bye. And that takes us to Caller 5 in today's Garden Grappler. grappler. We're going to Vacaville. And uh, Gail. Hi, Gail. Hello. Well, Gail, I'll tell I you. Haven't... Wait a minute. Before you answer, Gail, i gotta answer, <laughs> I got to ask you some questions, okay? Okay. Do you have room in your yard for a fruit tree? Yes, I do. Okay. That's the only question I needed to ask. All right. <laughs> awesome. I have an answer and a question. Okay. The answer I have first is purple lovegrass. Purple lovegrass. Wow, Pam. Well, I'm guessing is that, uh, what's the uh, scientific name of that one? I know. Oh, purple lovegrass. Oh, that's um, spectabilis. Um, uh, Aragrostis. That's it. Yeah. Nope. That's a good one. That's a Native American grass. Yes, and that's a good one. And it gets a, um, I don't know where it gets the love part of it, but it has these purplish seed heads. With fluffy clouds. That, yeah. Oh, with fluffy clouds? Is that yes. what you're saying? Oh, with okay. fluffy clouds yeah. of bronzy red airy plumes that sparkle in the sun. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yes. Anyhow, so right. yeah, Native American grass. That's a good choice. Purple love grass. Yeah. Hey, Gail, top quality yeah. answer. I'm sending you a top quality fruit tree from Dave Wilson Nursery. It's a five-in-one fruit salad tree featuring the Gold Dust Peach, the July Alberta Peach, the Independence Nectarine, the Blenheim Apricot, and the Late Santa Rosa Plum. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Be careful pruning it. Don't prune off any of the different fruiting branches. And make sure that you tame the plum. Because otherwise it'll want to be a hog and yeah. take over. So And unlike everything you've ever heard oh. about planting new fruit trees, do not cut this one off at the knees. Because you you need all those branches it has for the various uh, varieties of fruit. So just stick it, it in the ground and let it be. By the way, because it's so interesting, this love grass, I decided to check out more of them. Do you know that that whole um, genus of Aragrostis are all love grasses, and there's a weeping love grass and an Elliot's love grass and um, a sand love grass. There's all kinds of love grasses out there. I thought that was kind of interesting. Hmm. Now, you had a question. (laughs) Yes, I do. I want to plant a salad and herb garden in a bunch of cattle troughs. Okay, good idea. I want to know, do I have to put holes in it, or can I put a layer of small rock at the bottom of that? And if I could, I was wondering how deep that should be. I am doing that exact task at home, is I have purchased some cattle troughs from Tractor Supply Company. I have drilled holes in the bottom, three-quarter inch to one-inch holes, four of them in the bottom. And I am uh, treating it with basically tractor primer and tractor paint that can take galvanized steel because most of your cattle troughs are, are galvanized steel. So you uh, and you've done that before, Fred. Yeah, Haven't I you did that with blueberries. Cal- yeah, right. And I'm and, doing it for blueberries again. And you have to have the drainage. I think there's kind of an old myth about putting rocks in the bottom either of a planting hole or in the box, uh, ba- um, in the bottom of a, a clay pot or any other kind of pot for house plants. And actually, we found out it acts like a sump. The mm-hmm. water just sort of collects and draws to that area, and it becomes saturated, and roots can rot there. So drainage is really important. Yeah, rocks at the bottom won't help. It, you're better off okay. uh, getting going to the hardware store and getting a metal drill bit and uh, drilling a hole that is about the size of three-quarters of an inch to a one-inch. And I would recommend, depending on the size of the trough, if it's a typical two-by-two-by-four-foot cattle trough, four holes. It is. Yeah. Four, okay. Uh, four holes Great. in it. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling and, and good congratulations luck. Yes, congratulations. on everything on yeah. your fruit tree and good luck on it too. Yeah. Thank you. You could actually plant that in the cattle trough if you wanted to yeah. and grow it. You yeah. could. Yeah. I like her idea that she said a salad garden, right? right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I you like don't have to bend over. That's a good yeah. idea. No, that's a really good idea. Why are you painting yours? Well, because... The silver color is rather disconcerting in a garden. That, but you don't have to paint it I except would, for looks, right? No, I would paint it for rust control. Oh, for, because there's a lot of moisture that's inside. That's true. That's yeah. true. See, so you might want to you might want to paint yours. Yeah. <laughs> Frank and, can give you the. Uh, and you have to treat it first because it is galvanized steel. You need to clean it thoroughly first with TSP or some sort of mineral oil. Oh. In order to sort of rough it up a little bit and take some, uh, I think it's uh, number 200 sandpaper to it. Or and 400 then what did you sandpaper. say? It was a special paint that you no, had No, tractor used? paint. Oh, tractor yeah. paint. Yeah, tractor paint. And you can, get it, you can get it in your favorite tractor color. You can get Troy Red or Kubota Orange or John Deere Green. <laughs> so did you, you learned a lot today. Yes. <laughs> Gail, congratulations. Thanks for playing our game. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. All Bye right. Bye bye. And Pam Bone, thank you for dropping by today. Appreciate it. Yeah. Wow, time that flies. went fast. Yeah, time that flies. That did. Oh no, I enjoyed it very much. Okay. I'll look forward to the next time. All right, good. And Hopefully it'll rain.
And uh, are you going to be at the uh, Fair Oaks Horticulture Center workshop? No, uh, I actually did a pruning demonstration day. last time mm-hmm. and in January, but I won't be at this one. But yes, that's something you're going to talk about that in this next yes, segment. Yes, yeah, we're going to talk with Bill Cresha about uh, that uh, open garden that's coming up. At the Fair Oaks Horticulture right, Center. Yeah. On, in um, uh, next week, I think. Yeah, it's, next it's Saturday. great. Yeah. Oh, I've been out there quite a bit recently and... It's just fabulous, the things that they've mm-hmm. got growing out there. It's if you're wonderful. looking for February color, that's the place to go to and get some ideas for your own garden. Uh, that's actually a really good suggestion, Fred. You could go there every month and somewhere, especially in the water-efficient landscape garden, there's going to be something in bloom or some winter mm-hmm. interest or something. This is a really good time if you're planning on putting things in and you're designing your landscape. Go out and find out what's blooming, what's growing, what looks good. And you can talk to them about things that do fabulously well and they'll even tell you some of the mistakes and oh Oh, wow we found out this thing just got too big for this area you really need this that's why i like it it's really practical information that we can use geared to the home garden yeah exactly for our area always a pleasure pam thanks a lot when we come back we're talking with warren roberts out of the uc davis arboretum that's on the way here on get growing on talk 650 kste hi this is dana hesse You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Every month we like to talk with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum. He is the superintendent emeritus. And with the spate of warmer weather we've had lately, you can imagine Warren has a pretty long list of plants to get through that are putting on a show right now at the UC Davis Arboretum. And we couldn't get through even half of his list over on the KFBK Garden Show. So... Warren, <laughs> we, we, we've got our work cut out for us here over on Get Growing, but let's start off with a tree that is garnering a lot of interest. It's a flowering fruit tree that uh, I know is along Howe Avenue in bloom, and uh, it has uh, piqued your interest uh, there at the UC Davis Arboretum, and it's a, it's a cherry variety. It is. It's, um, it's called the Taiwan cherry because it comes from the mountains of Taiwan, and actually I've seen it there in the forest there. It's the most brilliant, rich magenta red you can imagine. And the flowers are graceful. They hand like bells, which campanula means little bell in Latin. And uh, beautiful leaves when they when they produce. But there are no leaves on it at all when it blooms. Gosh, it's just it's just a magnificent thing. It's not, it's not very big, uh, so you can uh, squeeze it into the garden. And it looks good all year, really. Even when it's deciduous, it, it is um, cleanly deciduous. You know, a lot of times when we're talking about plants, we're always talking about their blooms, but there's a lot of interesting plants with interesting leaves this time of year, isn't there? Oh, yes. In fact, there is a California native tree, which is just just beginning to leaf out, and that is the California buckeye, which is a favorite tree of mine. I know it's not for everybody's garden because it's dormant from um, end of May until now, but it has beautiful stems. And right now, the, the, the leaves open, they look like little green praying hands, hmm. the, the, the way that they're folded and unfold. They look like, like a tree that is in prayer, actually. So that, that would be a nice thing to have at a, at a religious organization <laughs> because, of the, <laughs> because of its spiritual look. It's really beautiful. And they're, they're just starting right now to open up. And the flowers will soon appear. And I have heard that bees are, they don't like, or I shouldn't say don't like, but uh, they find the flowers of California buckeye poisonous. Yes, they they, they, they do. And uh, so 
it, if you're raising bees, don't plant too many of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it is a beautiful tree. And the flowers are, are produced in the ends of spring and um, in beautiful big bunches. How about if we just enjoy the California Buckeyes at the UC Davis Arboretum? There you go. Or in the foothills. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Well, we haven't mentioned the flowering quince. And um, all of the all of the cultivars are in bloom right now. Some are just starting, and some are in full bloom. Uh, we have a big planting of Chinomalee speciosa, blood red, and it was named blood red when <laughs> when they were I think, starting to to work on getting um, darker color in Chinomalees because there are some that have even darker red now. But it's a splendid plant. It's about seven feet tall and about uh, ten feet wide and, and spreading. And that's one thing to keep in mind about uh, flowering quince. They do spread, so it gives them room. I've seen uh, in some parts of Sacramento uh, old plantings of flowering quince that have um, that have been spreading and, and beautifully. So it's one of the one of the harbingers of spring, really, with its with its bright flowers, pink, uh, reddish colors, orangey reds, uh, and so on. And the fruit is edible. If you're interested in um, making quince jelly, and if it produces enough, now a plant that is not edible is the hellebore, which is an herbaceous plant, and the Helleborus orientalis, which is so-called Lenten rose, is in bloom now, and it's a rather subtle plant for a bright shade part of the garden, but beautiful. And most varieties, the flowers kind of hang down, but now there are some selections where the flowers face up a little bit more. A bulb from South Africa, which is spectacular right now, is Lachinalia alioides variety quadricolor. Okay. Name. <laughs> is there a I common name? A, <laughs> I don't know if it has a common name. There, it's a bulb uh, from South Africa with, you know, a typical colorful bulb from that area. A little bit frost tender, so in it, if, you, uh, if you have snow, typically in the winter, it wouldn't be a good one to grow. Magnificent. So you can look it up, I think. Lachinalia. Sort of spelled like it sounds. Okay. Lachinalia. All right. Lachinalia. And iris, the a, a bearded iris, it's kind of early for some of them, although the typical one is in bloom now. But there's one called Golden Immortal, which is a kind of a middle-sized bearded iris, and it blooms all year. And right now it's in full bloom. But it seems to sort of stay in full bloom much of the year. So if I were going to choose a bearded iris... <clears throat> I would choose that one. There's some others, too, that bloom off and on during the year, but that one is truly spectacular. Tucrium fruticans, azurium, the the bush uh, germander, especially the ones with the bluer flowers, which is the cultivar azurium. And it looks kind of like an olive shrub. Uh, In fact, one of its names in Spain is olivillo, which means it's sort of like an olive, but not. Useful plant for our area grayish leaves, beautiful blue flowers. Ceanothuses are blooming now. Ceanothus meridimus, native to the Hearst Ranch over on the coast of California. And it has about the same size and habit as rosemary. Uh, the flowers are not that blue. They're more of a lavender blue, lavender um, violet, I guess would be the term, and fragrance. Penstemon, since we haven't had a really cold winter, there's one called garnet, which is pure red flowers. I'm not you know, I, I like penstemons, but they flop. I haven't, and there's very few penstemons that don't flop. So if you use what they call pea sticks, which is dead pruning branches that kind of uh, help prop them up, and the plant itself kind of hides that, would be a good way to keep them from just um, just flopping. Wow. <laughs> That's the only way I can think about it. 
here's a California native, uh, one of the gum plants. This is Brindelia stricta, variety platycilla. And the buds have a kind of a gummy substance, and they open up to be yellow daisies. This particular one is a ground cover. It's uh, very nice looking and uh, has a really long blooming period. Now, did, did, you, know, did you call that a gum plant? It's called gum plant because the, uh, the uh, flower head, before it opens, has a sort of a white sticky substance on it. Hmm. Um, and when the flower opens, you don't notice that at all. Once again, Warren, we're running out of time. So we're running out of time. I'll, I'll, give okay. you, I'll give you one more plant that you would never forgive yourself if you didn't mention. So, <laughs> Well, the, the violet um, um, Australian pea vine, Hardenbergia violacea, is in bloom right now. Great. A Brugmansia cadensis, Charles Grimaldi. So that kind of evens out the list. There you go. Always then, something oh, happening at the UC Davis Arboretum. Always something happening. We have the walk on the 14th. And then we have the sale on the 10th of March. All right. A few more details about that. The February 14th Wednesday walk with Warren Roberts at noon from to 1 o'clock. It's free. And where will you be meeting for that walk? We'll be meeting at the gazebo, which is uh, south of the, uh, of the Arboretum Nursery, also south of the Veterinary Medicine School. Then coming up Saturday, March 10th, the member appreciation plant sale. If you're not a member, no worries. You can join at the door. It's a nine to one o'clock at the UC Davis Arboretum Teaching Nursery. And somehow, Warren, I have a feeling you'll be there. I, it's my plan. I look forward to meeting everybody there. All right. Warren, always a pleasure talking with you. Let's do it again in March because I'm sure the list will be much larger in March. Oh, it will. I'll have to narrow it down a little, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Warren, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Patty, it's... Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Coming up Saturday, February 17th, it's a free open garden at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center. What can you see there? What's going on? Let's talk with Master Gardener Bill Cresha. And Bill, February may seem like a downtime in the garden, but there's a lot of things that local gardeners should be doing. And if they don't know how to start, we can show them how. Well, absolutely, Fred. Open gardens out at the Feral Horticultural Center are really, really great events. They're super interactive uh, with the master gardeners who will be doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, they'll be pruning fruit trees. They'll be pruning the grapes. Uh, you'll be able to chat with them as they do that. You'll be able to uh, ask them questions about different styles of pruning, say, on the grapes, spur pruned or cane pruned, um, whether uh, on the uh, fruit trees a good way to start for uh, dwarfing your fruit trees, a summer pruning, the concept we do a lot out there to keep the trees small, so say under 10 feet or so, uh, the basics for that. Uh, they'll also be doing some other really cool stuff um, that gardeners may be interested in, maybe a little leery of, and they shouldn't be. And when you come out and see folks do it, it demystifies it. Uh, so you can see folks actually doing some grafting, uh, which I think is really, really neat. And Sacramento is a farm-to-fork community. 
this is a great way to expand um, your the, the fruit that you have in the backyard. You can put a, a yellow peach on a white peach tree or vice versa. Um, all kinds of neat stuff going on. Again, berry propagation, composting, one of the basics of improving our soils out here in the Sacramento area. Uh, and we've also got a secret menu item, Fred, just for your listeners and anybody else who happens to show up on Saturday, the uh, 17th of February. Uh, we're going to have a special rose pruning session at 10 a.m. out near our vineyard. Uh, kind of between the persimmon and the pomegranate trees. You'll see the folks out there. And it'll be one of the last uh, pruning sessions uh, for roses uh, this season. And uh, what we're going to talk about, we've got some uh, roses in the ground, but also pruning container roses, which I think a lot of folks in this area have. Yes, February 17th is getting a little late to be pruning roses, but for all the procrastinators out there, here's your last best opportunity to find out how it's done. A rose pruning demo going on at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center on Saturday, February 17th. And I believe that rose pruning demo will be at 10 a.m., but the the whole place will be open from 9 to noon, correct? Yeah, it's from 9 to noon, and most, most of our events are from 9 to noon. Most of our events throughout the year are, are on Saturdays. We do have a few events that are on Wednesdays. I know that you've got the link to our uh, Fair Oaks Hort Center uh, website on, on your uh, website, and so if folks kind of miss all this stuff, the specifics, they can always go there and get more information. That's right. Now, you mentioned berry propagation. That's very interesting. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I, you know, I'm hoping to go there. I know that they have some. Uh, the cool thing about going local, you know, to the Fair Oaks Sports Center is that the berries that grow there grow here. Uh, and they do pretty well. And so uh, they've been selected by the master gardeners for the productivity, uh, for me, for flavor. <laughs> but uh, but they do well, and they'll show you how to do that. And, and it's... Um, uh, I want to say it's not rocket science, but it's super interesting. And I think it's really rewarding to be able to propagate uh, things, whether it's uh, um, grafting to go kind of back to that in the fabulous orchard group or whether the great berry group is out there showing you how to uh, get your alali berries propagated so you have a few more. And also, speaking of pruning, I bet they'll be doing some uh, sharing of ornamental grasses because uh, February is a good time to do that and maybe some perennial pruning as well. But yeah, we have all that stuff out there. And we also have a water-efficient landscape garden. So throughout the year, uh, not just the, uh, the upcoming session on February 17th, but we, we have events out there. So uh, as far as landscaping plants, water-efficient plants, pruning them, caring for them, uh, new varieties, great varieties for the local area, uh, we always have that going on. What is also nice about the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center is if you're looking for year-round color for your yard, well, there is no plant that stays blooming for a full year, but there certainly is something that's in bloom every month. And the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center is a great place to visit on a regular basis to get some ideas for your own yard. If you're looking for different plants that will be blooming maybe in the dead of winter or the heat of summer, go out there at least every quarter, if not every month, and see what's in bloom. And there are signs that mark each of the plants so you know exactly what you're looking at there. And then you can replicate that at home. 
Exactly. And I think it's it's another layer of learning. So you could read about it. Uh, we're all staring at our seed catalogs this time of year uh, and, and all that's great. But uh, to get out there and then if you're interested in, in uh, taking a look at water efficient landscape plants for seasonal bloom, that's one of the topics at the March 10th event. Uh, and so they'll, they'll focus on that and they'll be working with them. So, again, you'll you'll see what's blooming this time of year or what's blooming in March when you go in March. It's just a a great place to be. If you haven't been lately, it's a great place to go to. If you've never been, you have to have to put it on your list. That would be the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center in Fair Oaks Park. We'll give you the address in just a couple of minutes here. But let's talk about uh, what else will be going on there. You mentioned the the little demonstrations going on. But if people have garden questions, there will be people there to answer your questions. And there may even be some things for sale. Absolutely. And one of the things that I forgot to mention is our fabulous gardening guide and calendar for 2018. Uh, It's a little different every year. So if you bought them in the past, this is a great addition to your collection. Uh, It's not too late in the year to get one. Tons of good information, colorful photos. A uh, great group puts it together. They're only 10 bucks, And so uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. So uh, if you have someone you love who's a gardener, fabulous gift for them. The Sacramento County Master Gardener 2018 Gardening Guide and Calendar, perfect for the gardener who lives in the valley. And for our Foothill friends, uh, check out the Placer County Master Gardener Gardening Guide and Calendar, which is great for the foothills. And by the way, both of those calendars are available probably at your favorite local nursery. So you can, uh, if you're in the foothills, you probably find the Placer County uh, Gardening Guiding Calendar at those nurseries here in the Sacramento area and uh, surrounding area. You can find the Sacramento County Master Gardener Gardening Guiding Calendar available. But why not just go out to the source and get it there at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center this coming Saturday, 9 to noon at Saturday, February 17th. It's a free, if we did, hadn't said that already, It's a free open garden at the Horticulture Center. No charge to park. It's in Fair Oaks Park. The the Hort Center is at 11549 Fair Oaks Boulevard in Fair Oaks. And, of course, uh, they can visit the website for more information. I'll have a link to it at FarmerFred.com. But you can also visit the Sacramento County Master Gardener Facebook page for more information. Or if you just do an Internet search of the term Sacramento County Master Gardener, no doubt that their homepage will pop right up and information there on the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center. Bill, I, I think we crushed it. Well, excellent, excellent. I hope uh, everyone, in addition to checking out the web pages, comes out for real and experiences the joy that's the Fair Oaks Horticultural Center. Master Gardener Bill Cretia, Sacramento County Master Gardener, thanks for telling us more about the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center. You're very welcome and hope to see everyone out there. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. And coming up after the news at 12 o'clock, it's the KSTE Farm Hour on this week's KSTE Farm Hour. We talk about what the California Water Commission is doing. Who's the California Water Commission? Well, they're the ones that are passing judgment upon the 11 water projects, including two major proposed dams in California that could use Proposition 1 money. Now, you may remember back in 2014, you voted or didn't vote, for Proposition 1, which was a water bond, which supplied something like $11 billion for water projects, including something like $3 billion 
for two particular reservoirs that could hold more water for northern and central and southern Californians, for that matter. The Sites Reservoir near Calusa and Temperance Flat near Fresno. And both of those projects, along with the other projects, were denied by the California Water Commission saying they didn't have enough of a public interest to finance those projects and they have to rewrite their proposals. So that's uh, where we are with that. But we'll have more details about that. It's kind of interesting. Hey, there's a one tunnel proposal now for the Delta Tunnels project. A little step back for uh, Governor Jerry Brown and his uh, Delta Tunnels project. We have details about that. Also, we talk about alfalfa and the drought. That's coming up next on the KSTE Farm Hour from noon until 1 o'clock. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support all these years. We're talking chickens, backyard chickens on next week's show here on Get Growing. Don't forget this show is available as a podcast. You can stream it through the iHeartRadio app or kste.com or download it from your favorite podcast aggregator. We'll do it again next Sunday, 10 to noon, here on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Hi, it's Dana has.